Uh, it is good to see everyone back. Uh, this is, uh, for us, the beginning of the year, not January. We always look at the second week in August as really our kickoff. And uh, if you're visiting, we're glad that you're here. We trust that God would find you a place. If you're new to Athens, a place to worship, you are certainly welcome here. Let me tell you what we're going to do this year. We're going to look uh, at the, the book of Romans. And, um, but it so happens that providentially, providentially coincides with, with the commissioning uh, of Justin uh, Clement uh, right after uh, communion. So this is a commissioning service. So after communion, don't walk out the door. We're going to commission our brother as the uh, campus minister at the University of Georgia. That's why everything's kind of early here in the service. So have take communion, sit back down, and uh, the ben- and he's going to do the benediction. So, but the reason the reason it, it really is providential is because uh, because in what we're going to look at this morning is just a few verses uh, that start Romans, and it is it is Paul's salutation, and in his salutation. We see this man who was an enemy of God, an enemy of Christ, who is now a friend of Jesus and commissioned by him to preach the gospel. And what is that gospel? It's like no other gospel out there. Uh, It is the gospel of grace. The good news that 2,000 years ago, God broke into the misery of man's history, which he promised from the very beginning he would do, to redeem a people for himself. And if you don't know what that means, I would encourage you to come here so so that you might understand that your greatest necessity is to be right with God. And not only know that, his death on your behalf but his resurrection power to transform your life. And if you're a believer, that should be happening every year. We should be growing more and more in grace and the knowledge of the gospel. So let's uh, look at uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. We believe this is the inerrant word of God. And so follow along with me as I read. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are amazed that in the midst of all our confusion and in the midst of all our sin and uncertainty, you have uh, given us uh, your word 
uh, to know you and to know the plan of salvation and to know our future, the future hope that we have in the resurrection of Christ. Father, so I begin this year praying for those who are sitting uh, before me that do not know this power, do not know this Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would hear the gospel of Christ. And Father, I pray for us who do know your gospel. I ask that you would continue to give us grace to grow in a knowledge of the gospel. That we would not look to our flesh or to our idols, but that we would look to Christ to give us hope, give us peace. And so, Lord, we pray for your spirit's presence this morning as we look at your word together. And we ask these things in your name and for your sake. Amen. Uh, this summer, uh, I was praying about what, what to preach on for the year. Uh, we always have themes. We usually preach through books. And uh, I was convinced it was time to study the book of Romans. And when I started thinking about it, it was kind of odd to me as I realized I, I've been here 14 years. I've, I've taught some from the book of Romans, but we've never looked at Romans, have we? And then I started thinking about my years as an RUF campus minister at Vanderbilt University, and I was there for about seven or eight years, and I realized I didn't teach through the book of Romans there. And uh, then I realized that the last time I preached on the book of Romans was uh, when I was a campus minister with RUF at Mississippi State back in the, in the late 80s, so it's been 20 years, over 20 years. Now, the reason, uh, as I thought about that, I thought it's odd, is because uh, of the nature uh, of this book this, this book is not only important to church history, as we'll see uh, in the lives of a couple of men that I'll mention here, but it is important to the book of the Bible. Because, you see, the Bible is the story of redemption. It's not just a, a series of regulations and rules. It is a story about Christ. And Martin Luther said, uh, if the Bible were a bow, the knot in the bow is the book of Romans. Without the book of Romans, there would be loose ends that are there in the Bible. But God called Paul to study the Old Testament for years and to come write this book fairly early in his ministry uh, as an apologetic of the Christian faith. In fact, if you go to the end of the book of Romans, Paul tells the Romans, when I come to see you, I'm on my way to Spain, which was the uttermost part of the earth at that time, because once you read the, God, uh, the, the book of Romans you're convinced that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of men. The present Lutheran theologian named Kim Ritterbacher rightly said that, that Romans is the single most powerful document in human history. This letter is, is, has had the greatest influence on the history of Western civilization in general and in Christendom in particular in such a way that it cannot be measured. Let me tell you, the book of Romans is cited by everyone. Roman Catholics, Protestants. The great issue at the Reformation and the recapturing of an understanding of the gospel was whether you are declared righteous through the work of Christ, completely legal, versus the idea of being made righteous and continuing in that righteousness, uh, which we'll see later in Romans chapter Four. But this book has been used in the lives of men that have changed the history of the world. Just to give you two. 
One was St. Augustine. St. Augustine is probably the father of all theologians. Almost all theologians, Roman Catholic, uh, Protestant, look to him as the baseline. For y'all that don't know anything about Augustine of Hippo, he was a pagan. He was a brilliant man. He was a philosopher and uh, was well known for teaching in the area of rhetoric. He was a sex addict. Uh, And he rejected the religion of his mother, which was the Christian faith. His mother prayed for him, as all great mothers do for men that we see that are great. It's usually their mothers who prayed. But Augustine began to feel the guilt of his sin and uh, and his debauched life and that that all that he learned, it meant nothing. It was all emptied. And everything that he had run through, sex and and parties and food and, and being brilliant and being recognized, was absolutely empty because it was about him. And one day he was in a garden and uh, he heard some children singing this song that said, pick up the book and read. And lo and behold, uh, there on a bench, uh, he saw uh, the Bible and it was uh, the book of Romans. And he picked up and he read and he read Romans 13, 13. This says this, let us not live, uh, let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And when he read that, the Holy Spirit with the Scripture broke forth in his life and he broke through. And the breakthrough was understanding the gospel. Read a little bit of Augustine. And then a thousand years later, of course, we know who Martin Luther is. The gospel had once again began to flicker away. The gospel of grace, the gospel of the work of Jesus Christ and Martin Luther as a monk and as a committed a Christian, as you would say, as, as any monk ever was. And he was asked one time if he loved God. He said, no, I think I hate him. Because Martin Luther understood that no matter what he did, God demanded perfect righteousness. And friends, let me tell you, you don't need to be nonchalant about your sin because God demands absolute righteousness for you to enter into His presence because of the person that He is. And so Luther wrestled with this. And uh, he was advised to, to go to, uh, to a university and lecture. And he lectured on several books on Genesis. He lectured um, on Psalms. But it was in his study of the, the book of Romans as he began to lecture, as he was wrestling with how could a man be right with God, he came to this passage in Romans 1 Verse 17 that says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness from God which is through faith from first to last. This text presented uh, Luther with an inescapable dilemma. God demands perfect righteousness of us. And Luther knew he did not have it. But then he read Romans 1.18 and it resolved the great dilemma For it says, but this righteousness comes by faith. And at once Luther understood the the doctrines of the apostles. 
that what God demands under the law is exactly what He freely gives under the gospel. And friends, this morning, you are either under law or you're under grace. One of the two. Doesn't matter. This morning, you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. And Luther had the great breakthrough because he understood it was through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that righteousness has come and his life was changed. It's awesome. That's why we're going to look at Romans. That's why Justin Clement... Where are you, Justin? Raise your hand. That's why you're going to go to the University of Georgia. We're going to commission you to preach this gospel. I prayed with Don Alden today, who is our former associate pastor. And we're, for y'all that don't know, we're birthing our first church on the east side of Athens. A healthy birth. The baby's healthy. And it will remain healthy as long as Don Alden preaches this gospel that points men and women to Jesus Christ. And maybe perhaps some of you go, well, yeah, I've heard this before. Okay, fine, you've heard it before. But you know the, you know the lyrics. But have you heard the music? I'm, t- I'm asking. Has the music of the gospel come into your life in such a way that it raised Augustine from his death and a Luther from his death? And I could give you countless numbers of men who have read this book and preached this book and revivals break out where that book is preached. Now, I don't think that I'm going to go down in church history. And I don't think that I'm going to lead some great movement. But you know what? I believe that God has called me to preach the gospel here in Athens. And it is this reason that we're going to look at the book of of Romans. Because there are those who are here today who need to be born again. Who need to be broken from the change of your own sin and your own misery, your own self-righteousness, your unrighteousness, and your lethargy that even you might be feeling it because you're going, I've heard this before. Needless to say, the author of this book was transformed by the gospel. And so what I want to do in the remaining moments is to look uh, at some things in our first few verses about this gospel. And the first thing, we're going to learn something about Paul that I think will apply to you. And then we're going to learn something about the gospel he was called to preach in verses 3 and 4. And then we learn the results of being called to the gospel. What is the result? What does that look like in your life? If you've been called, if the breakthrough's taken place. And maybe it hasn't. And maybe this is your opportunity for God to have mercy through the means of preaching and the teaching of his word. So the first thing to see is this, is what we learn about Paul. And we see this in the very first uh, verse uh, in his introduction of who he is. Because he begins the book say, by saying, uh, Paul, the apostle, the, the servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. Now, there's a lot in there. And the first thing we see is this, that uh, here's this man who was an enemy of God, who was living under rules and regulations of the Judaistic system that had become a false, a false religion because it was never about that. And now he calls himself Paul. It's not even his 
Original name, his original name was Saul. But now he has a new name. His name is Paul, who is now a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He is a servant. Not a slave, but a bondservant was one who, because they saw the greatness of the master, that when they were free to go, they chose to stay with the master. Because it was so good in the household of the master. And so what do we learn from this? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know all of you. I don't know the way you look at your life. I don't know how you look at religion. I don't know how you look at Christianity. But let me tell you what you learned from this. Is that Christianity is not a set of principles. It's not a set of rules. It's not laws to keep. If that were the case, then we'd have been ended with the Ten Commandments and uh, waited for judgment. Uh, my brothers, I have five older brothers, and uh, my father, when he was living, it used to drive me crazy because they would always introduce me as this is my brother, the preacher. Uh, this is my son, the preacher. And I thought, well, Dad, you never go, this is my son, the uh, architect. Uh, this is my son, the insurance salesman. What? And of course, I, you know, but the reason it bothered me the reason that it bothered me, especially when you're going out to play golf, and the first thing they say, yeah, you're going to be playing golf with my son, the preacher. <laughs> you know, they're going, man, I'm excited. This is awesome. <laughs> because, you see, they, 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 I know what they were thinking. Oh, so he really thinks he keeps the rules. He must think he's a mighty fine person. Oh, Hal Farnsworth, the preacher who prays every morning for an hour, who reads his Bible for two hours, shares Jesus by 10 o'clock, doesn't eat too much sausage and drink too much beer. <laughs> right? And maybe you think that. Maybe you're out there and you're the first time you've ever been to Redeemer and you go, well, it's the church that I'm going to go and they're going to beat me up because they're going to tell me I ought to be a better person. I'm going to tell you, cheer up, you're a terrible person. <laughs> but you can be loved of God. You see, Paul met Christ. That's the difference. Now, some of you are freshmen. I want to have you to raise your hand. Maybe you've already gone through a rush, and you grew up in the PCA, and you were catechized, and you were taught. And you know the right things to do. And you've been taught the right things to do. And already you're beginning to go, hey, you know what? I'm not under that anymore. And I'm just going to kind of go out there and play a little bit. Take a philosophy class. Be a doubter for a year or two. Go raise hell for a while. Then I'll come back. Why would you think you know Jesus Christ? You see, Paul said, I'm a bondservant. I know the master and he is good and I submit my life to him for his purposes. So the first thing to see is that it's not a, it's not a religion. And, and what we see is that Paul had two callings. And, and, uh, and, and the first calling is into, into the faith. He, he was called, he was, convert, he was converted. And because of that, his name went from Saul to Paul. When you become a Christian, trust me, you get a new name. I'm not the Hal Farnsworth I was 38 years ago. I have a new name. And so you have a new identity. What is your identity? Your identity is in Christ and what he's done and all that he loves you and he cares for you. 
And uh, I know that many of you might even be wrestling with that because there's sickness and illness in your families. Uh, we've got a lot going on in Redeemer, a lot of pain and suffering. But at the bottom of all of it, for a Christian, they know that they have the Father through the Son. They're in the family. If you don't know that, you don't have a new name. And you know what you have? You have the rules. Whatever the rules may be, the rules of the Presbyterians or the Baptists or the Catholics, uh, the rules of Hinduism, the rules of Islamic uh, uh, law, what, the rules of secular society that says you can't eat too much. Whatever it is, you have the rules, and those rules keep defining who you are. And you know what? You'll start being oppressed, and you won't know who you are. And so if you try to be a religious person or a good person, then you either become a cynic on the one side... And there's no power in your life. You're a cynic. You're a religious cynic. Or on the other hand, you fall to absolute uh, naivety and you minimize the law of God and his ravages against you. And you become a shallow person. So that's your options apart from what Paul discovered as he met Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead. But then he also had a special call. He was called to Christ, and I'm going to tell you this. If God calls you in, he calls you back out. That's, I, that's the essence of being a Christian. Man, I want people to know Jesus Christ. It's not just preachers. It's housewives. It's 12-year-old kids that begin to get it. It is college students. I mean, if you're never sharing the gospel with people, maybe he hadn't called you in. You haven't understood the joy of being free from the law and to be called out to minister Christ to others in deed and word. But Paul was, had a special calling. He was called to be an apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, what is an apostle? Well, what's interesting is that Jesus himself is called an apostle in Hebrews chapter 3. For the writer says, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest, whom we confess you know what an apostle is? Jesus was called by his father to come to this world to tell y'all about salvation and about life. Who was a faithful minister of the gospel? One that's going to tell you don't smoke, drink, or chew, and you shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be doing that. No. It was one who is called by God to preach Christ. An apostle had a, a special calling because they had the direct authority. Paul from Jesus Christ himself to preach this good news uh, of the gospel. And what does he call this gospel, friends? He calls it uh, in verse 2, the gospel of God. Capital G, both times. Now let me tell you, there are a lot of gospels that are out there. There are going to be people who say they're apostles. There are going to be people who tell you, man, listen, if you do this, this is what you need to do. And when you do this, this is good news. But it's good news with a little g. And I could give you many instances of this, but every religion that's out there is telling you that through this religion, you get good news. Good things happen through these things. You fill in the blank. But Paul says the gospel of God concerning Jesus Christ. He is the good news. And when you come to Christ, you come not to a set of propositions. You come to a person. So that's what we learn from Paul. 
But what is it that we learn in a nutshell about the gospel that he preached? Uh, just spend a moment on this. Look what he says. Uh, it is the gospel promised beforehand through the prophets of the Holy Scripture concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, let me tell you, here's the gospel. Concerning Jesus Christ, who's the son of David and the son of God declared by his resurrection. It doesn't mean he became like God's son through his resurrection, but because he was the God-man, his God-nature raised him from the dead. He is raised by the power of the spirit of holiness. He is declared to be the son of God. And so what you have is in this person, the God-man. You know, a lot of times, Christmas is a wonderful time, right? It's about the incarnation. And, of course, the world loves to hook into that, right? Joy to the world. And, and uh, you know, it's time to be, uh, love everybody and be good for a while, right? And so what they try to do is they try to extract the principles from the person. And so we have Christian principles of being good neighbors. And so we're nice for a week and we give presents. But you see, once you say, no, 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 you need to understand that the gospel is about Jesus Christ. Uh, It is about his person. And his person is that he is both God and man. If you want to find out where you are with Jesus Christ, where do you stand with this person? It's not about being nice. It's not about being good. It is about whether you believe that he is the son of God. And you see, if he is the God-man, born of, the son of David, born of a virgin, fully man and fully God, uh, and you submit your life to that glory of why he came. Somebody put it this way, that uh, ultimately sin is, is, is certainly about breaking the law of God. Uh, 1 John chapter 5 says that. Sin is the breaking of the law of God. But somebody put it this way, at a deeper level, the essence of sin is taking God's place. You were created for him. But rather uh, than submitting your life to him and finding your place, you you have taken your own place and pushed him aside. That's what man has done. And then it becomes about us and not about God. And so we live our own lives. We have taken the place of God. You're your own God. What are you going to do this afternoon? You're going to have, what are you going to do this afternoon? What are you going to do tomorrow? What are your plans this week? What have you been doing this past summer? What, what makes you tick? What makes your life important, you see? Then you discover. But you see, here's the beauty of God. What does God do when we, when we take his place? He could judge us. He could oppose us. But you know, he didn't do that. He sends his son to take our place. Isn't that amazing? The God-man. And why do you have to have both? Well, you've got to have a man who has flesh and blood because, you see, you need a substitute, and that's what he did. He lived a life you don't live, and he paid the debt that you owe. But he also has to be God because, you see, Without his deity, he still can't save us. But the reason that Christianity is a true faith is because he is divine. It is 
his fully God and fully man. And the scriptures teach us not only it is the human blood of Christ that is shed, but Peter tells us it is the blood of God upon which you've been purchased. The power of the gospel to transform your life. One last thing, and that is this. What is the result if you begin to understand this? What is the result in your life? Well, Paul says it. Uh, grace and peace to you. <laughs> grace and peace. And why is that? Let me tell you why there's peace. Because if you really begin to understand that Jesus Christ is a human being raised from the dead and he sits at the right hand of God the Father right now as a human being with human emotions, he fully understands everything that you're going through. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He was tempted. Jesus lovingly says the spirit's willing but the flesh is weak. He understands our infirmities. But you know why? Because he wrestled under the temptation, yet without sin. And so there's great comfort to know that you can go to him when you can't go to anybody else because you know what? Uh, at the bottom of whatever your pain and loneliness is, he's, got, he's done it infinitely. But there's also great comfort because he's also God. And he's able to work in your life and to change you and to transform you. You see, all other religions and gospels promise the way to joy. Do this and you'll have joy. But Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is joy. And all the doctrines that we will study will point us to Jesus. Point us to Christ. Justin, we're going to commission you here right after communion. This is the gospel that you must preach. Jeff Thompson, that you must preach. It is the gospel of grace that saves. Let's pray together. Father, we look forward to studying the book of Romans. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would convert.